Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 55. Today, I had the chance to interview the amazing Mel Finlay. Mel is a nutritionist and a personal trainer who loves to help women who are feeling worn out and unhappy with their current lifestyle to get energized and happy. Today, we got to talk about the influence of our diet on our hormones, which are totally linked so closely to our happiness. I loved this episode so much because I'm a bit of a geek about learning about the inner workings of our body and how the way we treat ourselves impacts our whole lives. So without further ado, let's dive in to today's interview. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mama. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy, busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons. Because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo-cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behavior, and so much more. Are you ready to feel confident in motherhood? Let's dive in. All right, welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, Melissa. I'm very excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here as well. Yay. I thought we would uh, kick it off by you giving us a little bit of an introduction about yourself. Tell us who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Okay. Well, my name is Melissa Finlay. Everyone calls me Mel. I'm a holistic nutritionist and I specialize in women's health, so women's health issues. And then I also take a really almost personal interest in helping mums overcome things like exhaustion and postnatal depletion. And I live here in Melbourne with my husband and my two little kids who are three and a half and one. She's just about to start walking. So... And yeah, so we live here in Melbourne and that's me in a nutshell. I love that your focus really is on the postnatal depletion, the exhaustion, because what mother at one point or another cannot say that they have experienced that to the core exhaustion, you know, like. Exactly. I don't think there's any mum out there that can say that they haven't experienced some level of exhaustion from sleep deprivation or something else at some point in their journey. And I sort of feel like, like we know it's part and parcel that obviously we're sleep deprived as new mums is broken sleep. It's inevitable. Um, and I think though that we sort of probably throw our hands up in the air and go, well, this is it. This is what we have to feel like because this is what it's part and parcel of being a mum. But when there's other factors, I think that are influencing it, it's so important to understand that perhaps it's not just what's going on in terms of how much sleep you're getting. Yeah, that's right. There's a fine line between the tiredness and exhaustion that you feel because you've got broken sleep. And I am not an expert on sleep deprivation and how to get babies to sleep. That is not my area. (laughs) But what I do work through with new mums and even mums that have my age kids or even older is figuring out when it's no longer normal for them to be feeling this way and to understand what's at play that's making them feel that level of tide and how to then go about fixing it. 
Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit more about the sorts of things that can impact this level of exhaustion and that postnatal depletion? So what can happen is with pregnancy and then childbirth and then if you are breastfeeding as well, that comes into it, we get so zapped of our vital nutrients, our vitamins and minerals. The baby, when it's in our belly, it sucks those nutrients from us. It takes everything we've got. And if we're not putting in the right amount of nutrition into our back into our systems, then we're left with a really depleted system. And if we don't correct that, that can have a fallen effect into postpartum with our hormones and the rebalancing of our hormones and how exhausted we feel on a daily basis. And that really depleted kind of tired. So not just sleep deprivation tired, but that lethargic brain fog. Mm. I can't uh, function tired can come from when we're depleted in that way. And it is so, so common that that happens for women after they have their babies. What are the roles of our hormones and how do they come into play with how we're feeling? Basically, we have a lot of different hormones going on in our body and they are what tells every cell in our body to do what they are supposed to be doing. More specifically for women, we have female reproductive hormones that when they are not signaling the cells to do what they need to be doing at the right times or maybe we don't have enough hormone production happening or, or too little, it can really throw out our cycle and our overall health and well-being in that we feel really depleted, really lacking of energy and also other symptoms come into play like PMS symptoms. Mm -hmm. So that is why it's so important that we keep on top of our hormones and the balance of our hormones and make sure that we're producing healthy hormones so that our cells and our systems can function the way that they need to. And that leads me on to another question then. How do we know perhaps that our hormones are a little out of whack? Like what are the things we're looking for? So the first one would be that tiredness that we spoke about. So if you're feeling a level of tiredness that is just not normal for you, maybe you've been tracking along okay and then suddenly you're not, you're feeling really tired and you can't get through that exhaustion, that would be a big trigger, I think, to go and um, find out what's going on. Also the PMS symptoms that come by every month for some women that is not a normal thing it's very very common to have PMS symptoms but it's certainly not a normal thing that we should be experiencing and it's an indication that something's not quite right in terms of our female reproductive hormones so things like irregular periods or heavy periods is one bloating and constipation is another around period time Really severe mood swings, anxiety, even depression sort of symptoms can come by in that lead up to period time. So they're the things that say to me there's something going on and we need to figure out what it is so that we can go about rebalancing those hormones and and fix the issue. And I find this, this topic like so fascinating. And I said before we started, you know, recording about how there's like a personal part of this where I'm just fascinated in it because... I lately have really been like, I never used to take notice really in where I was in my cycle. I just, I didn't track it. I I honestly would not have had a clue. And I did an interview with a woman named Alicia Kruger a few 
months ago and she talks about like the seasons of your cycle and yes. things like that. And so began my fascination in really getting to know things. And it has been, I will say, incredibly liberating in actually knowing. One thing I've noticed is like, I feel like we're brought up to believe that PMS, that, that the mood swings that we can feel and all of those things, it's just part and parcel of being a woman. But it's not, is it? Like That's it right. is actually, if you're having these severe feelings, like because some women, they get to the point that they, like it's almost like a diagnosed depression in that PMS period in the yes. lead up. And that, exactly. that's coming around every three weeks and that's incredibly debilitating. I've had clients who have said to me, you know, that lead up to their period time is is a really stressful time for them because they do feel so anxious and depressed and doctors and GPs have, you know, suggested maybe they go on antidepressants or something like that. But really what's at play is, is hormones. And if we can fix that issue, then hopefully we can fix that severe anxiety and depression. Not to say that it's always going to be hormones in terms of those kind of symptoms, but it often can really help to get those hormones in balance when people suffer from anxiety and depression. But what you were saying about our cycle and the, the natural feelings that we feel, that is such a fascinating topic. And it's so true that there are certain times of our cycle where we feel more energetic, we feel yeah. bouncier and maybe more confident and things like that. And that is because our cycle is sort of gearing us up to get pregnant and you know get us in the mood to to kind of do that mm. and then at the other end of the cycle we do feel like sort of retreating a little bit more and not being as outgoing maybe we don't want to socialize as much um, and that is completely normal but what's not normal are the feelings of being super teary for no reason that you can really decide or yeah those anxious feelings but also Symptoms like severe bloating and headaches, cramping and the really heavy periods where you are feeling like you can't even leave the house or, you know, it's just really quite debilitating. That is not a normal situation and there are things that you can do to fix mm. it. Talking about this then from a nutritional point of view, what are some of the nutritional deficiencies that may be like, I'm sure that there is it's a tricky answer to talk about, you know, everything, but what are some of the most common nutritional deficiencies that you see that perhaps are playing or wreaking havoc on our mm. hormones? Yeah, it can be a quite a complex answer because it will be different for everybody. But to start with, if you are experiencing those symptoms and nutritional deficiencies are at play, some of the big ones are iron. So iron deficiency is so, so common with women of childbearing age. And it seems kind of counterintuitive, but if you are iron deficient, it can actually cause heavier bleeding and symptoms of that in that regard. So it's important to have your iron levels checked and have iron stores at a really optimum level. Zinc is another great one that is really important with in terms of healthy hormone production. So if we're not producing a healthy amount of hormones, then we're going to find that we experience these symptoms at the end of the month. B12 is another big one as well. And the B vitamins are important for energy production as well. So if we're feeling really tired and flat and we are really low in some of the Bs, B12 being one of the key players, we can just feel really crap. 
And that has a flow and effect in our cycle because if we're not feeling energetic, if we're, we don't have that energy, we're going to feel even worse towards the end of the month. So they're some of the big ones that come into play. There are other ones for more specific conditions and things like that. Another thing that I always ask clients to go and get checked is their thyroid panel, so their thyroid hormones and what they're doing, because if they're not working in the way that they need to, that can also have a flow and effect to our female reproductive hormones and the way that our cycle's uh, performing and functioning as well. So there's a lot, there's a lot at play. There's lots to investigate, but when you find what it is that you are depleted in or you need work on, it can really be the key to getting some normalcy to your cycle. And like, you know how you said before that quite often, like we're in such a medical model where our instant reaction is, I'm feeling depressed. I'm going to go to the doctor. The GP will almost always prescribe and, you know, like they'll say an antidepressants, like it's, it fixes things, but it's not getting to the root cause, is it? You know, exactly. it's kind of like a band aid. There is nothing wrong with needing to be on antidepressants, but you've got to look at things holistically, don't you? So whereas right. that might be one part of a treatment plan, it's also about the nutritional side and how that's all coming to play. That's Otherwise right. it's just going to rear its head again. Exactly. And if you can pinpoint that you're feeling that way at a certain time of the month, why wouldn't you investigate that a bit further and see if there is another issue at play before you go down that path? And like you said, there's nothing wrong with being on antidepressants if you need to. I'm just saying that maybe there are other things that you can look at before yeah. you get to that step. Another band-aid that, that GPs tend to want to place on is the pill. The pill is that fix all cover all thing that many women are prescribed to balance their hormones well not even balance their hormones but even out their periods and and just get rid of those symptoms but that in itself is like you say it's a band-aid it's covering up the issue but the issue is still there below the surface i know from personal experience some birth control has absolutely sent my hormones tropo so perhaps at the time it was okay but then yeah. when I went to come off it, like, holy dooly. There is a level of normalcy in that when you are young because your hormones are still figuring, figuring out what to do and your body is still learning how to sort of use those messengers to even out your cycle. And so if we're putting something like the pill on really early and shutting down, we essentially shut down our hormones. When we come off the pill 15, 20 years later to have babies, our hormones are almost, it's almost like they were stopped in time and they're still going to act as if we were that 15 year old girl. And that's where there'll be some issues there coming off the pill. It is so interesting. And like, I mean, the thing is, is that most of us will all be listening going, well, it's too late for, you know, like being there, done that. But you know what it makes me feel? Not that I have daughters. I have sons. <laughs> <laughs> but if I ever have a daughter, then I... I'm excited to be able to change the trajectory of the way we're managing yeah. teenage girls, you know, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, no one wants to end up like having their daughter pregnant at 15, like, you know, no. if we can avoid that, yeah. but education over, right. we know better now. And so we can do better. It's not about the blame game of going, oh, I wish that we hadn't done this, but now that we know more, it's really good that we can make changes that's it and i i have a daughter a one-year-old daughter and i imagine when we get to that point in our 
journey that I will be definitely sitting her down and not choosing for her, but educating her around some of the risks because there are risks with taking the pill and, you know, what other alternatives there are. But like you say, obviously we don't want our 15-year-old daughters getting pregnant, but there are alternative options and there is education and giving all the information I think is super important. I know as a 16-year-old girl myself, I wasn't given any information about what the pill was actually doing to my body. All I knew was that it was going to stop me getting pregnant and it was going to make my skin better. That's what I remember, This exactly the same scenario. And yeah. that's exactly why I went on the pill at whatever age it was, was for that same thing. Uh, yeah. in and, like the other thing is too, is we don't second guess medical practitioners. Like we just yes. assume that it is what's best for us. And you start to get a bit savvier. In this day and age, we're getting better at advocating for ourselves and doing a little bit of research. But it's a good message to share that it's good that you're doing that. As we said before, looking at what we can do before we're perhaps moving down a medical model. Yes, that's right. Just exploring all the options. I have a little bit of a question too around foods that perhaps can really throw out hormonal balances. And I'm going to get quite specific here. I'm a coffee addict now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm addicted to coffee. Hi, my name is Jen and I'm addicted to coffee. (laughs) Hi, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can, I joke about it, but it's really not funny that I can have four coffees a day and I can still have a nana nap in the afternoon. So I sort of joke about how caffeine doesn't even really impact me, but I worry about what I'm doing to my hormones. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What's coffee like when it comes to (laughs) hormones and nutrition? Okay. Let's talk about coffee. So (laughs) caffeine is um, a stimulant as you, as you probably know. And so it can actually stimulate our cortisol function, which is the stress hormone. And if we have high levels of cortisol in our system, it can throw out the balance of our female reproductive hormones. So then you're going to have those issues at the end of the month, like cramping and and bloating and heavy periods. Headaches is another one. Also, if you're having, like you're having four coffees in a day, if you're having caffeine towards the end of the day and into the afternoon you have to remember that caffeine can stay in your system for up to 12 hours Mm. so if you're having a coffee at two o'clock in the afternoon that caffeine is potentially still in your system at 2 a.m and that's preventing you from getting into really deep restful sleep and Mm. being able to switch off that brain and, and really get into that restful sleep that is having a flow on effect to the next day where you're waking up feeling less than refreshed and that's having an effect on your energy levels and it's having a flow and effect into your hormones as well and how they're functioning. Because if you're lacking in energy and you haven't had that restorative sleep, that in itself is going to throw your hormones out of whack. So there's a few things at play when it comes to caffeine. I love coffee. I try and limit myself to two and I have them before hopefully by 11am so that I know by 11pm that caffeine is out of my system so that I can have a restful sleep. So it's not necessarily about you cannot have it, but it's about being strategic in how much you have and when you have it. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're having like your four coffees a day, you can see 
that that would be building throughout the day and peaking at a certain point of the day. And that peak period might actually be when you're trying to go to sleep. And so then you're having these issues with falling asleep and staying asleep and getting restorative sleep. And like sometimes I'll say to my husband that, you know, you wake up and, and seemingly you think that, well, I slept the whole night, but it's that difference between having perhaps not realised that we've come to a way. I know the world of sleep pretty well, so I can understand. Yeah. Yes, you might not have realised you were awake during the night, but you can wake up feeling crap <laughs> that's right exactly yeah and then you wonder why and it's because even though you, like you say you were asleep it wasn't the deep restorative sleep that we really need to yeah. wake up feeling refreshed and then we go and have more caffeine because we're not feeling yeah. you know, awake enough so it's a bit of a vicious cycle really and I literally said to my husband the other day like he was so cheery and I was, I was literally like why are you so happy and then he got me my coffee and I had it and then I was happy too <laughs> I was I was actually like I was like oh Jen like you can't become that person that you can't function until you have that coffee but I'm there I'm that person <laughs> yeah yeah but you know if you if you did sort of reduce your intake it would be crap for a couple of days maybe a week or two and then it would be better you know, want to know what the sad thing is, is I usually have those four before it's midday. So like, okay. how the hell am I fitting in four coffees before midday? <laughs> back to back. Like, calm, calm down, Jen. <laughs> I really love the taste of it. Like I yeah. told you I was addicted. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you could switch to a, a decaf or something. Yeah. I think that's wise. I'm going to go decaf. That's at least something better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now tell me Mel if we are worried about nutritional deficiencies what mm -hmm. what can we do like what should we do if we're worried that perhaps our nutrition maybe we are seeing the signs of a hormonal balance and we're thinking that it's related to nutrition what should be our next steps definitely going to see your GP your preferred GP and asking for some tests to be done and specifically the ones I spoke about before. So checking iron is really important. If we're feeling tired all the time, it could definitely be a sign that your iron is, is too low and iron stores are too low. And then the zinc and B12 are other good ones to be checking and thyroid function as well. It is important that when we go to the doctor to ask for these tests that we are able to articulate to the GP, the doctor, why we're wanting to get these tests done so that they're not reluctant to send you off for testing because they're not really sure what the purpose is. So if you feel you need to be really clear about what you're asking and what the signs and symptoms are coming up for you so that they'll be more inclined to, to get these tests for you. GPs, they do have to answer to Medicare so that all the tests that we get through the GP in that regard are free through the Medicare system, but they have to sort of answer to Medicare as to why they're ordering these tests. And that's why they can sometimes be apprehensive. So we just need to be really clear, but we do have a right to ask for these tests. And if you're refused by one doctor, I would strongly suggest getting a second opinion and going somewhere else. And then in regards to the results, if the doctor is coming back and telling you that everything is normal, but you're still feeling like crap, there's obviously something going on that needs to be investigated. And that's when I would say it's a good idea to come to someone like me or another health professional with those tests in hand so that we can have a good look at them. Sometimes what I find is that the tests come back normal and that means that you are within that normal range. 
But what people don't understand generally is that that normal range may not be normal for you and you need to be at a more optimum range for you to feel better. That normal range is taken from something like 500 tests across the board and we don't know if those tests are at optimal levels. So the normal range could actually be not quite optimal for everybody. Does that make sense? It so- makes complete sense. And because I feel like we're always like these averages are created, but how much differences in variability is there between person to person? Exactly. Like yeah. a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Yeah. And so that makes complete sense. Yeah. So your iron might come back and you're on the, in the low range, so the low side of the normal range. For me, that's not good enough for my clients. We want you to be at least up the top end of that normal range or even just sort of hitting the outside of the top of that normal range so that you're at an optimal level and functioning optimally. So fascinating to talk about this because I think so often we are just pigeonholing in, into it. Well, this is mum, this is mum life. This is what we're supposed to feel mm-hmm. like. But you're not. Like you, you can right. be a mum and, yes, we are sleep deprived. We have broken sleep. But you can still have all that and feel of a hell of a lot better than what you're feeling exactly. at the moment. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because, well, I feel like from what I've seen of my clients, you know, some of these women out there have been pregnant or breastfeeding for five or six years, depending on how many kids they've had and how long they might have breastfed for. And if you think about that, that is a long time to be requiring extra nutrients from your food and from your body and so it's no wonder at the end of it we fall in a heap because we have you know our, our, these babies have taken all the good stuff from us during pregnancy during breastfeeding plus we're sleep deprived plus you know we're taking care of everyone else before we take care of ourselves or even think about ourselves so I kind of want to advocate that we are allowed to admit when we're feeling exhausted and that when we need help and reach out for that help and it's not complaining and it's not selfish. It's actually really important because if we get to that point where we are utterly exhausted and we fall in that heap and we can't get out of it, then it's too late. So we need to be thinking of ourselves way earlier than that and get this stuff sorted out early on. Absolutely. Do you work with people in pregnancy, Mel, to... You know, like obviously we are growing a baby and then we're going to be breastfeeding, but is this the time that of like now more than ever we need to be vigilant so we in fact go into our birth and postnatal period not so depleted or is it yeah. just inevitable that our baby will suck everything from us? Like- well, I, so I do work with pregnant ladies and I would say that it even starts earlier than that. So in the preconception period, we, we want to be making sure that we're eating, you know, the right things, making sure we're having lots of fruits and vegetables that are rich in iron and other minerals um, so that we go into pregnancy at a good level because it is somewhat of an inevitability that the baby is going to take a lot from us. And during pregnancy, you know, if you're, bad, if you're battling nausea and morning sickness and things like that, you're not going to feel like eating the salads and the vegetables that you would have previously. I know for me with Evie, my second born, I lived off Macca's chips for the first trimester. Like there was nothing else that I could eat. I was so sick. But, and, so, and so you have to prepare for that, 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 you know, you are going to not be eating as well as you possibly could be during pregnancy for various reasons. But then when you are feeling good again, it's important to concentrate on that again so that you are sort of replenishing. But having good support 
and having people with knowledge that know what supplements are right for you to go on and, you know, having access to good quality supplements as well so that we can try and prevent that severe depletion down the other end is really important. I have done an episode where I talked about my experience with postnatal depression and I always said that it was just like, like me, this is like a light bulb thing for me because I always said, hormones impact me. Like I got it because I'm really impacted by, by my hormones. And when it's coming to that time of the month, my mood always lowers, like everything that you've said. Yeah. But I've always just said, well, it's just who I am, but it's not. And I think the way I ate during my pregnancies with Max and Ted, not ideal, Jen. <laughs> and no, I set my, like, I'm not saying I intentionally set myself up for postnatal depression, but I sure as hell didn't prevent it. Mm-hmm. So this is just such a light bulb thing for me that if I move into another pregnancy. There's definitely um, work that you can do pre-pregnancy. And I guess one message I, I would like to say to listeners is if you are pregnant or thinking about getting pregnant, to not beat yourself up too much as well. If, if you get to, into the pregnancy and you don't feel like you can drink all the green smoothies and you may not, feel like you can and that's okay that's why it's so important to start early in the in the prenatal period and really make sure that you know you're doing those things but then also during pregnancy that you are supplementing in the correct ways to make sure that you don't get too depleted when we can't be eating all the right things and those babies they just suck they suck everything out of us when we're pregnant so in some ways, like you say, it is a bit of an inevitability and that's why supplementing is super important. And on that, what's your recommendation for women? Is it a balance of trying to get things through your food first and foremost or is it a, is it a supplementation road? Is it a combination of the two? It's definitely a combination of the two. Obviously, we always want to get the right nutrients from our food first And when we're not pregnant, that is fairly accessible and easy to do if we're eating the right things and we have a really balanced diet and we're including lots of different coloured vegetables and fruits. Like I say, in pregnancy, it's harder for us to just solely rely on our diet, especially if we're second and third time mums. It's even harder because we don't have that time to really concentrate on you know, making sure we pack every little bit of nutrition into our food all the time. So in that pregnancy period, I would say it's definitely a combination of the two. And then postpartum, definitely looking at testing. Um, I always recommend that postnatal ladies at that six-week checkup, when they're going back to their GP for that checkup, that they ask for some testing to be done to see where those levels are at and see if they're at a point where supplementation is needed or if we can just get it from our food and just make sure we're eating a really balanced diet. That's a great strategy is straight up early on in the piece, six weeks, what can you do right now to make sure that, because like I know I remember feeling that exhaustion, the postnatal depletion, about three or four months, that's when it really hit me. Yes. I was tired in the newborn days, but I was to the core exhausted yeah. around that three, four month mark. Yeah. And if you get on top of the nutritional side of that, mm-hmm. between six to 12 weeks, six to 16 weeks, you would maybe avoid that like exactly so prevention over cure or treatment really isn't it definitely definitely when you've just had that baby there is that element of like a bit of adrenaline and you know you're running on just 
you know, that excitement and whatnot, but that it does wear off at some point. And then you might be left with feeling severely depleted. So like you say, getting on top of it early, that six week appointment to at least talk to the GP about it is, yeah, you might as well, you're there anyway to get yourself checked out. So you might as well ask that question and and get on top of it then and there. That is the best advice, you know, and even if you're, you've got a baby well beyond six weeks, better late, like whenever you can. Absolutely. Anytime, anytime. I I sort of recommend once a year going in to the GP and asking to have some, some tests done because things change all the time. One year, you know, we might be doing really well and then there'll be external factors and other factors that come into play and then we're not doing as well. We can't know this unless we go and get ourselves tested and Mm -hmm. we're entitled to do that. Yeah, and I love that message too that we are entitled to do it because I feel like sometimes we leave the choices up to whether the GP are going to let us, but if we're better at advocating and saying, I feel X, Y and Z, and I would like you to test X, Y, and Z, going in with that sort of knowledge. And you are allowed to do that. I think that's that's a big thing that we don't understand as families, that we sort of go in, we sort of ask them. But if we go in and sort of say, this is what I think I'd need and I'd really appreciate if you could facilitate that in a kind way. Yeah, exactly. And if if you're backing yourself in and by, you know, maybe even writing yourself some notes, this is the symptoms that I've been feeling this is when I'm exhausted. This is, you know, when I'm feeling this way and go in with that, be armed with that information so that if you do get some resistance from them, you can say, no, well, this is how I'm feeling. And I want these tests just to rule out anything else at play. Um, yeah, we're well within our rights to do that. And like I said before, if you do get resistance or your GP flat out refuses, then you are well within your rights to go somewhere else and ask for another opinion. Well, this has been amazing, Mel. I have gotten so much out of this personally, and I am sure that everyone listening is going to as well. Can you let us know where we can find you, where we can find more information, and even potentially how we can work with you? Sure. So I have a website, which is melissafinlaynutritionist.com. So you can find out all about me over there and the services that I offer. And Instagram's where I do all of my social media and I I, um, put up things like recipes and just different tips and tricks on things that we can do as mums to make us feel as energised as possible and things like getting rid of the brain fog and, you know, all stuff like that um, is there on my Instagram. I work with clients one-on-one, so I offer a couple of different packages for mums and women around women's health issues and then around personal depletion. Um, and I work with uh, weight loss and things like that as well. And then I have something called the amazing mums Academy, which is my online membership for mums who are looking for some support and guidance in how to use food, nutrition, and then lifestyle factors as well to feel as energized and as happy and as present in their lives as they possibly can so I've been doing that one since January and it's going really well and the ladies in there are all beautiful and we have a really good community going really good community sense which is which is really great I love that it's such um so many options depending on how you like to work and if you want that yeah some people come to me and they say oh you know group scenario is not really for me I really want you to just pinpoint what I need to do and you know, set me off on that path. And then other ladies like that community sense and they're happier to just sort of take in 
um, information and then run with it themselves and self-motivate a bit more. So yeah, it just depends on how you like to learn and how you want to do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Awesome. See you now. See ya. Thanks for listening to the episode, Mama. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share the episode with a friend, with your mother's group, or tag me at Jen Butler Early Parenting on Instagram. The more that know about this podcast, the more people I can help. If you're looking for support that is personalized for your babe and tailored to your family's needs, then make sure to head on over to my website, www.jenniferbutler.com.au and check out how we can work together so you can move through motherhood with confidence. Catch you in the next episode, Mama.